Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of my podcast, Model POV. If you don't already know me, my name is Ariana. I'm 22, and I've been a model in Canada for the past six years. Um, If you already know me, then hello. It's nice to have you back. Thanks for being patient with me while I get my shit together. Um, Anyways, guys, I finally found the time to research um, a true crime topic again. So today's episode is going to be about a serial killer photographer, Harvey Glattman. I think it's Glattman. I don't know if it's Glattman or Glattman, but I'm going to say Glattman for this episode. Um, But yeah, he had actually inspired the work or like, you know, I guess I guess you could call it that. I don't know what else you would call it um, of another serial killer. Dennis Radar, aka the BTK killer. So if you guys are unfamiliar with the BTK killer, um, I'll briefly talk about him before we get into the episode since it's really just a fun little fact that goes along with the case. But the BTK killer was active as a serial killer in America from January 15th, 1974 to January 19th, 1991. And the BTK killer was actually a name he had given himself after his style of killing, which had involved uh, blinding the victim, torturing them, and then finally killing them. Oh, sorry, I said blinding, binding. Anyways, like with rope, which you'll see why that's relevant in a second. But yeah, in various articles on Google that pop up, if you search their names together, um, Harvey as is described as Dennis's hero with him quoting, it's all about the rope, something that Harvey had told law enforcement in relation to his victims. However, while BTK was active in the 70s to 90s, uh, Glateman was active in the 50s. So, Harvey Glateman was born on the 10th of December, 1910, in the Bronx, New York. From a very young age, Harvey began to display behavior that wasn't normal. As a toddler, he had no interest in anything really, um, including toys and making friends, which, if you know toddlers, that's obviously not a normal behavior. I feel like that's, you know, like people don't, people aren't really born like that. I don't know. Sometimes they can be, but like... I don't know. That's like so rare though. You never hear about it. So I can't say for sure. But anyways, really abnormal behavior. Um, Usually when behavior like that is happening, there's like a different neuropathic or psychological disorder that goes along with it. So at the time, his parents um, were at a loss. But since, you know, Medical science has taken tremendous leaps since the 1910s, 1920s. As I said, um, doctors now think that apathy in children, especially when they're born with it, as I said, um, like in Harvey's case, is associated with some sort of neurological disorder. And so it carried on like the apathy until he was about four years old with tons of weird stuff happening up until that. Um, This next part. Oh, yeah. Just so you know, guys, um, I don't know, like. I get so annoyed when, like, people do this, to be honest with you, like, really go on about it, but I just want to let you guys know that we are going to be talking about some graphic stuff today, um, including, you know, murder, um, unconsensual sex, because I don't want to say the other word, and uh, molestation, so um, if any of those make you uncomfortable, please just come back at another episode. It's, you know what is right for you, So if that's uncomfortable for you, then just come back at a different episode because there's a lot of it. So 
anyways, yeah, with that being said, um, this next part is, like, like, one of the weirdest things. Like, I don't know a toddler who's actually had interest in this stuff, um, but he had been caught using a chest of drawers and a piece of string to somehow masturbate by his mom. I don't know how. Um, he had, like, tied it. I don't know. I don't know. But that was something that his mom had, like, walked in on him on. So, because that's very obviously, like, not something a toddler's normally inclined to do, um, you know. And because of that, there's a lot of speculation around the possibility that Harvey may have been abused and Ophelia slash his parents somehow were not aware of it. Um, however, there are certain instances where, like I said, like, even if it's like they aren't born with it, something can happen where parts of the brain that control that part will become damaged or like deteriorate. Um, but usually that happens in like older people. So I really have no answer for it. Um, if I remember correctly, I think the Wikipedia article that I had briefly looked at about this, um, they had said that while he was in prison at one point in time, he had been diagnosed as I don't know, like, it's a certain type of schizophrenic that is more, like, sexual, I guess, rather than, like, hallucinatory or anything like that. So, anyways, later on, when he went to school, um, he got teased a lot. Kids would make fun of him for his acne, him having large ears. They'd call him weasel or chipmunk. And, like, the teasing was constant. Like, they did not stop. And as a result of that, in his teen years, Harvey grew very terrified of interaction with girls. He was never even able to talk to girls or maintain friendships with them. If a girl went up and talked to him, he would turn beet red and run away. And aside from his problems at school... Harvey was also having a really troublesome time at home, or at least his parents were, because honestly, if this was my kid, I don't think I'd know how to deal with it. When he was 12, his mom walked in on him in the bathroom, hanging from the rafters by rope and masturbating at the same time. He actually got very into using rope and then later became really obsessed with the idea of autoerotic asphyxiation. His parents, who were concerned about him from, as I said, literally day one, had hoped he'd grow out of the strange, strange sexual behavior since we all know why it's not normal, but it was very obviously getting worse, and they'd try to punish him, and they had actually even taken him to the doctor, and they essentially, they as in the doctor, had said boys will be boys, and then sent him home. They had even prescribed him pills. However, his behavior still only got worse. Eventually, they just kind of gave up because they had thought, well, it's his thing and it's not hurting anyone. So as long as it's behind closed doors, it's fine. Ironically, shortly after, though, Harvey grew tired of having it be behind closed doors. It just wasn't as exciting to him anymore. He fantasized about restraining a woman or a girl the same way he had been doing to himself um, and became really determined to act his fantasies out. So he began to go in his neighborhood and spy on women and girls in their homes. Then he began to break into the homes. Fortunately, most of the time no one was in there, so he'd steal something as a trophy pretty much. Um, at the time, or sorry, at one point, he had stolen a gun from someone's home. And then the next house he had broken into, a woman had ended up being home and 
she had obviously seen him, you know, broken in with a gun and some rope, so she was afraid. He backed her into the room at gunpoint, tied her up, and then uh, felt her breasts over her shirt and left and just left her there. So, yeah, I don't know. He was also, like, only 14 at this point, so... I don't know. It only gets worse <laughs> because he had done it once. He had had the confidence that he could do it again. So he kept doing this pattern of break and enter and then sexually assaulting the women he found inside, usually by feeling their body, but it eventually led to him feeling the women like while he masturbated. And he'd also do this weird thing sometimes where after he had finished assaulting them, he would make them cuddle him, which... I don't know, that screams mommy issues to me, so maybe if the theory that he did get abused is correct, um, it was by a female family member or even his own mother. I don't know, just hypothesizing, but yeah. Another weird thing that began to happen was that he would also sometimes make his victims pose for photographs. Note the foreshadowing. Uh, Eventually, because he had done it so much, And because each time he did it, he gained more confidence in his ability to do it again, he would actually start to get off at the fear that he saw in their eyes. Because they were afraid, he felt powerful, and it added to the confidence he had gained from not getting caught. But not for long. Uh, He was caught the first time at age 17, when police officers had caught him physically trying to break into somebody's home. However, received no punishment because his mom paid his bail of $2,000. And honestly, if I was a mom, I would not be bailing my kid out of jail unless it was something, like, stupid. Like, I don't know, smoking weed in a car or something. But realistically, you would never get arrested for that, you know? If it was, if it was something like this, I would not be paying my kids bail. They can go sit in jail for a month or two and learn their lesson there because... I'm not dealing with it. So, (laughs) Um, the next crime he did after he got out of jail was still his same old pattern, except this time he had abducted a woman. He drove her out to the middle of nowhere, did his usual stuff, and then drove her home. Thankfully, she reported him, which resulted in a second arrest, and this time he didn't get bail because he had re-offended. But the the judge, excuse me, decided to give him one year, and as soon as he got out, he went right on back to his shit so he decided he didn't want an actual gun this time though because that was too heat i guess (laughs) um so he bought a toy gun he moved back to new york to live with his mom and while she thought it was to get back on the straight and narrow he had actually wanted a bigger selection of victims so at one point while living in New York, he had abducted a couple at gunpoint with his toy gun that he had, bought, he had bought, backed them up into a dark alley, and tied both of them, then began to molest the woman. However, uh, the man managed to break free from the rope and began trying to fight Harvey. So Harvey, I guess, panicked and stabbed him and then ran away. So this caused Harvey to decide he was never going to abduct a couple again, and that he was going to stick to his original plan of only abducting women. He ended up getting convicted again and was sentenced to five to ten years in prison, still only at the age of 18. Like, what the fuck? He had also deliberately became, beca- excuse me, became a, quote, good prisoner, unquote, and then got released on parole after two years. He was released back into his mom's custody and had to be on supervision for five years in which he had not committed any crimes. 
and just to like talk about parole so you guys get kind of like a better idea of it um i'm sure it's probably the same in the u.s if you're listening from there um or somewhere else but i'm not really familiar with other law systems just canada and the u.s um parole isn't actually like a lesser sentence it's still their sentence they just have to be supervised so um like he's allowed to go function in the community as a way of like reintegrating him even though that's obviously not working in this case um yeah he's allowed to be in the community he just has to be supervised and there's usually a designated person that's supervising them so that person in this case is his mother so (laughs) that being said His mom thought he was completely reformed. However, after his parole was done, he then decided to now murder his victims to ensure they didn't report him. And so at the age of 28, he lost his virginity and became a serial killer. (laughs) But he didn't want to do crimes in Denver or New York. He chose to go to L.A., And he did this intentionally because, as mentioned, he used to take photos of his victims. And he had actually really enjoyed photography. He had somewhat of a passion for it, so he figured there would be work for him there. And because many young women in L.A. were there wanting to be actresses or models, it would be easy to lure them in. And unfortunately, because agencies back then were pretty unregulated, similar to how it is now, except that we're actually making steady progress, I wouldn't say like significant, but steady progress so far in making it a safer industry to work in. And these girls would go to photo shoots and wouldn't be made aware that they had to pose nude, something that had actually happened to me once, except I had just left the photo shoot because I wasn't getting paid. Um, (laughs) And the women would also be put in a situation where it was just them and the photographer in the room, which is another, like I said, situation that I've personally been in and other people. And, you know, a a lot of this work is really just going off of your instinct. And Judy, his first victim, had actually had a really bad feeling about going to meet with him at this this photo shoot. But we aren't there yet. So I just want you guys to think about that for a second. So before you guys cancel me, that part meeting with a photographer just to collaborate isn't always bad obviously but it does create a really vulnerable position for the model or the actor whoever it is because especially if they're getting paid they need to momentarily think if their safety or their career is more important which manipulates them into doing this only pose nude or do boudoir if you want to guys like please so like, like, never feel pressured, ever, please. Especially if you're young, because there's just so many creeps out there. So, anyways, because agencies didn't vet photographers and really only cared about money instead of their model's safety, Harvey had set up his studio, which was just his apartment, and began to advertise himself as a legitimate photographer as a way to lure women to him. Also something that still happens. <laughs> the 1st of August... Not, okay, wait, 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 let me backtrack. Models don't get murdered as regularly, obviously. I don't know very many model serial killers except for Harvey. Um, But creeps posing as photographers and luring you to their apartment, that happens all the time. However, also having a studio set up in your apartment also happens all the time, so you really have to use your own judgment. And personally, if you're ever uncertain, 
if I was ever uncertain about someone or something, I would be asking my agent for advice since they know the difference between, I guess, like, what's what's professional and normal and what isn't. And there's been a few times where, you know, my agents really saved my ass in terms of that stuff. So anyways, um, back to what I was saying. The 1st of August, 1957, is when he committed his first murder, who, as mentioned, was a woman named Judy Dahl. She was an in-demand model and had lived with her two roommates who were also in-demand models. So Judy took a job that her roommate had to pass on, and at 2 p.m., Harvey, under the guise of Johnny Glenn, came to pick her up. She was reluctant to go, but after he had offered her $20 an hour, she had agreed. Um, And also... To put it in perspective, she was also financially struggling. She was going through a really messy divorce. Her husband wanted custody of her 14-month-old daughter, who she unfortunately left behind after getting murdered um, and really felt like financial pressure to accept it because of legal fees and bills and then also having a kid. So, yeah. And then, as mentioned, her instincts were really telling her that she shouldn't go. Like, she felt something was weird. And then Harvey had just kind of almost bribed her to come with him. So as she advanced into the apartment, Harvey was explaining how the cover of the magazine that he wanted to put her on was a crime magazine and that the story she would be featured in was going to be about bondage and torture. So he would need to tie her up and gag her and she would need to look terrified. This was also a process he did meticulously and every victim he had had would actually take photos in a specific sequence Um, because to him, the photos were his trophies, really. He would take a photo of the woman looking genuinely happy, then he would get them to act scared, and then he would pull out a gun so that they were genuinely scared, take a photo of that, and then he would assault them and murder them and take another photo of that after he had murdered them. And you guys can look up the photos if you want, but they're honestly pretty disturbing. (laughs) Like, it's, like, it's fucked up. You can see, like, you know, like, the difference in their eyes from when they're acting to when they're, like, actually scared. And, ugh, just gives me shivers. So, anyways, he murdered Judy after assaulting her several times um, and once again forcing her to cuddle him on the couch and watch sitcoms and then dumped her body in the desert. He repeated the same process of recruitment, torture, murder, photos, and body dumping with his second victim, uh, Shirley Ann Bridgeford, 24, a divorcee and model who he met through a Lonely Hearts ad using the false name George Williams. Glateman picked up Bridgeford under the pretense of taking her to a dance. Um, His third victim was recruited, again, through a modeling agency, not a Lonely Hearts ad, who was Ruth Mercado? Mercedo, who was 24. When he arrived at her place for a planned photo shoot, he learned that she was feeling too ill to proceed. Undeterred by this fact, Glateman returned to her house hours later. This time, he let himself in and raped her repeatedly at gunpoint throughout the night. At the morning, Glateman forced her to walk out to his car and then drove her to the desert where he killed her in his usual manner. Finally, he assaulted his last victim, 28-year-old Lorraine vigil 
She had just registered with a modeling agency when she was contacted by Gleitman for a photo shoot. She got in the car with him and was not worried until he started driving in the opposite direction of Hollywood. Then, um, he had claimed his car had a flat tire and pulled over to the side of the road. Once the car was parked, he pulled out his gun on vigil and tried to tie her up. Luckily, though, she was able to grab the gun and tried to wrestle it from him. And as they fought over the gun, Gleitman had actually fired a bullet that passed through Lorraine's skirt and grazed her thigh. At that point, she bit Gleitman's hand and was able to get a hold of the gun. She pointed it at him and held him there until police, who were likely alerted by a passing motorist, arrived on the scene. And ironically, the agency had... (laughs) I don't know if it's so much ironic, actually, more so just like disappointing, but the agency had openly admitted that he was a creep, however, did not prevent Lorraine from going. So I just want you guys to think about that for a moment. At that point, Vigil bit Gleitman's hand and was able to get a hold of the gun, as mentioned. She pointed it at Gleitman and held him there until police got there. Um, And when they had gotten there, they had arrested him, obviously. They had also actually, um, now that I'm remembering this, they had also thought Lorraine was attacking Harvey. And so they had ordered her to drop the gun and she did because she's like, well, I'm innocent. I have nothing to like run away from. Um, and then pleaded with officers to listen. And so they did. They searched the car, opened the trunk, found all of his stuff, including some photos of his previous victims, and then obviously arrested Harvey and took him back to, um, what's the place called? Police officer place. What is it called? I don't know. The building that they work at. (laughs) Uh, I cannot think. Um, Yeah, and he just, he spoke openly about all of his crimes. I don't know if it was, like, really him giving up or what it was, but he spoke openly about all of it. And he had actually even requested the death penalty multiple times and pled guilty. Maybe he was, like... I don't even know. Maybe he was like, like he did feel remorse for his crimes because he couldn't control it. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to think because if it was a psychological disorder, what would it be? What would that be? Like, it's got to be, you know, it has to be some sort of psychological disorder. There's no way that like, like he's just born like this and like, he develops an interest naturally it has to be like something's not right up there or he was abused honestly that's just what i think but yeah um he had even actually requested or attempted i guess to stop the automatic appeal that was given to all death penalty cases in california and so ultimately harvey glateman was killed in the gas chamber at san quentin state prison on September 18th, 1959, which brought his killing spree to an end. So, yeah, guys, (laughs) Um, pretty much to sum it up, we should really not be not vetting people in industries like fashion, where they've been known to attract predators like Harvey Gleitman, and I have nothing really further to say on that. Um, People can argue about it at the end of the day, but why would you argue against ensuring people are safe, you know? 
why would you compromise people's safety at the expense of money? So, anyways, I don't know. I'm happy that things are changing. (laughs) And thanks for listening, everyone. Um, So yeah, if you'd like to stay updated on future episodes, the link to my professional Instagram is in the bio of this podcast. Sometimes I also post Q&A boxes for podcast suggestions, so you can submit any you may have over there. I'll see you all again soon. And next week's episode will for sure be on time since I have no more school left to worry about for like the next two to three weeks-ish. So... Okay, bye for now.